I'm Abigail Meller, and welcome back to Generation Invincible, a brand new podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by a millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health problems facing our nation. If you missed my first episode, I highly suggest you turn around and go back and listen to it. It includes some of my personal background, reasons why I started this podcast, an overview of Obamacare and why millennials should care about it, and of course, my opinions on all of that. I'm going to start this week's episode with a few pieces of healthcare news, including an overview of public health topics discussed during the Democratic debate last week, and then transitioning to the main topic for today's podcast. What the is socialized medicine and where did it come from? Before I continue with the rest of today's episode, I feel the need to address something. This podcast isn't really about me, but two very important values to me are transparency and open-mindedness. With transparency, I am telling you that the remainder of this episode is a bit political. However, with the value of open-mindedness, I ask all of you, regardless of your political affiliation, to please listen until the end. It is extremely important to listen to all the opinions of other people, especially those that you don't agree with. With that being said, I strongly encourage all of you that have questions or points you would like to raise for or against anything that I say today, please email me. I will address all questions and comments sent to me in future podcasts so that not only my voice will be heard, your voices will be heard as well. Now let's get this party started. news this week, I'm going to start with a story about loans for students with disabilities. This week, the Obama administration announced a plan to forgive $7.7 billion in federal student loans held by about 400,000 permanently disabled Americans. Right now, anyone with a severe disability, aka it will not go away or get better, is eligible to have the government discharge their federal student loans. The difference here is that the Obama administration is implementing a program to identify eligible borrowers and guide them through the process of discharging their loans. Basically, a ton of Americans with disabilities right now are eligible for getting rid of their student loans, but they don't even know it. By identifying borrowers who are receiving disability payments and have the designation of medical improvement not expected, the government has identified 387,000 matches of which 179,000 are in default on their loans and at risk of losing tax refunds and Social Security benefits. Letters will begin mailing out this week explaining to eligible Americans about the process and guiding them through the steps to get their loans discharged. The next thing I want to talk about is a new primary incentive change for Medicare. The Obama administration is starting a new program to change the way that primary care doctors are paid for providing their Medicare services. By the way, Medicare is the program that provides health insurance to Americans age 65 and older who have worked and paid into the system, as well as younger Americans that have disabilities, while Medicaid, on the other hand, which we talked about last week, is the program designed to provide health insurance to families and individuals who cannot afford health care. The new program, which was announced last Monday, hopes to recruit about 20,000 primary care doctors into the plan. With the way Medicare works now, 
doctors are paid by the number of billable services and visits provided to people with Medicare. This is also known as the fee-for-service system. The new program, on the other hand, will make a shift that will reimburse doctors based on overall patient health and outcomes. This is known as value-based care, which will also be addressed a little later in this podcast, as well as the fee-for-service system. Last, I want to talk about how this week the FDA announced that they're adding folic acid to corn masa flour. Folic acid has actually been in wheat flour since 1996. It's an essential vitamin during pregnancy, and it prevents spina bifida, which is a type of neural tube defect. I won't go into too much detail here, but spina bifida can be so severe as to cause paralysis. It develops very, very early in pregnancy, a lot of times before women even know that they're pregnant, which is why women who are pregnant or even trying to get pregnant are recommended to take it as a supplement daily. Folic acid in wheat flour has been attributed to preventing 1,300 birth defects per year, and it's estimated that 40 more per year will be prevented due to the addition of folic acid to corn flour. This is mostly due to a more targeted approach to Hispanic populations who more commonly use corn flour. So basically, if you're pregnant, you have an extra excuse to eat chips and queso because the corn chips will now have folic acid, making them healthier. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Next, I thought it would be good to quickly summarize healthcare topics discussed during the Democratic debate this past week. You all probably either don't have the time to sit down and listen to the debate, or you simply just aren't interested. But as I said before, I think it's important to understand both sides of any argument. So unless you want me to stand outside your window with a boombox over my head to get you to listen, listen up. The first thing I want to talk about is Senator Sanders' healthcare and free college for all. The question that was brought up by the moderator brought up how his initiatives would cost $28 trillion, even with tax increases, that would add $15 trillion to the national debt. So he started out by saying that he disagrees with those numbers, that there's a lot of different uh, models that give different numbers for his programs. But he talks about how we're the only major country that does not guarantee health care to all people. And in addition to that, we spend almost three times the amount as the British and twice as much as the French on our health care. He talked about how he's proposing a Medicare single-payer program, and he says that he's going to pay for that by uh, taxing Wall Street speculation. Hillary's response, on the other hand, was that she agrees with the diagnosis of needing to get universal health care coverage, but that she's worked on it for the last 25 years. Her work is sort of known as Hillary Care, whereas when she became part of the Obama administration, it all got bundled together and got called Obamacare. She also brought up how the Washington Post says that Bernie's plan would be a train wreck for the poor. And finally, she said that she supports the Affordable Care Act, which she has said multiple times before, and that we shouldn't get rid of it. We should make it work for everyone and try and get the cost down for it. The other question that was brought up by a moderator that I'm going to talk about is the Supreme Court nomination of Merrick Garland. When asked about it, Hillary said that she supports President Obama's nomination, but that if it came down to it, she would nominate someone who has come out in support of Roe v. Wade. She pointed out that in all of eight debates that they've had, no questions have been brought up about a woman's right to do what she wants with her body, and that there's a lot of restrictions on women's rights, and she pointed out how Donald Trump says that women should be punished. 
Sanders' comment that was significant to me in this was that he has a 100% pro-choice voting record. So basically, in summary, this election is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from the candidates. As will probably be true for all of my episodes, I feel like I need to ask that you stay with me while I rapid fire summarize a few healthcare terms. So fee for service is the primary model used in the US healthcare system, particularly for Medicare. With this, doctors and other healthcare providers are paid for each service performed. This may seem like a um duh scenario for you, but that's because it's all that we know in our country. The problem with fee for service is that the incentive lies in the service or procedure not in the quality of said procedure or the health outcome of the patient. Socialized medicine is generally a term applied to universal health care, specifically that that is supported through government regulation and subsidies from taxation. This term has a negative connotation attached to it, mostly from historically negative associations with socialism in the United States. It was first popularized during a campaign in the United States against President Truman's proposal for a national health care system. The single-payer health care system is a universal health care system where a single-payer fund, rather than private insurers, pays for health care costs. The single-payer part refers to the funding, not the actual delivery. A single-payer fund can have a private health delivery system, a public delivery system, or a mix of the two. A fund can be controlled by any agency, but is typically organized and overseen by the government. Universal health care is pretty self-explanatory, but it's a system that provides health care and financial protection to all citizens. Financial protection in this context refers to the part where accessing the health care won't deplete all of the money that you have. Managed care, simply stated, refers to health insurance plans designed to provide care at the lowest possible cost. In order to make coverage affordable, managed care plans require that that patients follow certain rules. So some examples of managed care plans that people are part of and maybe you've heard of are provider organizations, health maintenance organizations, and point of service plans. I'll talk more about the different types of health insurance in a future episode. And finally, value-based care is the main alternative to a fee-for-service system that's being discussed right now. All of the four types of models focus on paying health systems and doctors based on patient outcomes as opposed to specifically for the services that they provide. The benefits of value-based care are lower costs, fewer unnecessary tests and procedures, higher quality care, and higher patient results and satisfaction. Before the 20th century, health insurance was unheard of, but so was quality medical care that prevented illness and death. So as the scientific era began, the hope for better health and recovery from illness grew. When the American Medical Association began making changes to improve the quality of care provided, there were both benefits and losses to the field of medical education and practice. After the Flexner Report was published in 1910, which criticized medical education and established the existence of an overproduction of doctors at a low level of quality, the number of medical schools in the United States dropped significantly. 
The restriction on physician supply was the first major change that increased the cost of physician services in the United States. 1929 was the first mention of health insurance in our country, which came in the form of a group of Dallas school teachers contracting with Baylor Hospital to provide 21 days of hospitalization for $6 per year. From the 1940s through the 1960s, there was a slow and steady growth in health insurance. Blue Cross Blue Shield was actually the first company to realize that insuring only groups of employed workers was good business. Now, it may come as a surprise to you that the common practice for controlling costs within the U.S. healthcare system used to be based on government intervention. Yes, I said that right, government intervention. In the 70s, under the National Health Planning and Resources Development Act, a system was established of planning bodies at multiple government levels to control healthcare costs by limiting the supply of medical services and facilities and slowing the diffusion of costly new medical technologies, such as things like CT scanners. For obvious reasons, this program did not work because it did things like designate specific hospitals as not being allowed to deliver babies. Now, I can't really go on with talking about this program because I'm getting really upset thinking about a woman in labor showing up at a hospital and then being like, nope, we can't help you. Go somewhere else. Bye. So then the government took a different stance on controlling healthcare costs by imposing payment controls, also known as where there's a cap on what providers can charge for different services. Now say hello to my little friend, Ronald Reagan. Before he was president and before he was a Republican, he made an 11-minute speech opposing single-payer health care in the United States. He refers to socialized medicine as an encroachment on the relationship between doctors and patients and an attack on individual rights. Reagan warns that if his listeners do not stop the proposed medical program, quote, behind it will come other government programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country until one day we will wake to find that we have socialism, end quote. But the problem is that, like today, the term socialism was used by Reagan in a political context to stir up the negative feelings associated with socialism from history in the U.S. Also, because socialism is where the government controls all parts of the economy, so even with, with a completely socialist president, that would never happen, and solely on the basis of the checks and balances system. I've listened and fully understand the argument against socialized medicine in the context of an individual's rights. I just don't agree with it. Because many of the people that make this argument are fortunate enough to be able to choose what kind of health care they have, what insurance covers it, and where they get it from. But the purpose of socialized medicine is to give all citizens, regardless of financial status or other barriers to access to health care, equal opportunity for quality health services. Reagan thought that socialized medicine would be the beginning to uncontrollable medical costs in the United States. In fact, it is the polar opposite. As I mentioned in my last episode, preventive care is an essential component to decreasing healthcare costs for everybody. And without health insurance, that type of care is generally unaffordable. So when Ronald Reagan warned against providing medical care for the entire population in his famous speech, he permanently damaged the idea of a long-term cost reduction program for the healthcare system. We are still dealing with the fallout today when people protest socialized medicine without knowing the long-term benefits. 
the best sign that government-guaranteed health insurance doesn't equal socialism is that Reagan, a president committed to defeating socialism, changed his position on Medicare once it became law. Now, he wasn't all bad. Reagan actually passed some extremely important laws for the improvement of our healthcare system that are still in place today. For example, he supported the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act passed in 1986, which requires hospitals to treat patients in need of emergency care regardless of their ability to pay, citizenship, or even their legal status. In 1988, the Reagan administration and Congress did agree on bipartisan legislation that produced the largest expansion in Medicare benefits since the program's enactment. So, to wrap up my second episode, fee-for-service bad, healthcare reform good. I'm just a girl standing in front of an audience telling them about socialized medicine. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. I will address major comments and inquiries in upcoming episodes. Until next time, Carpe Diem, register to vote. Not voting in this election is a vote for, insert whichever candidate you would hate to see in office here.